We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Nice Trade Cast, brought to you by our friends at Rotoviz Radio and our proud sponsors, My Bookie and Roman. So, first week of the fantasy playoffs are in the books, which is prime. Oh, I hate the fantasy playoffs. I I was the number one seed, and for some reason, I didn't have a buy. Prime complaining season on the Twitter. Uh, damn, were you one of the complainers? <laughs> I feel like that was. That was aimed directly at my sternum. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've I've been known to rant and rave about the teams that do the best in the regular season to have some sort of advantage come the playoffs. Otherwise, there's really no reason to play the regular season. Just let everyone set lineups, play all play, and top six teams in all play and points or whatever the hell you want to do, do it that route. But if you're going head-to-head... You have divisions, which you probably shouldn't, unless it's a massive league. You should uh, you should do something special for those number one and number two seeds because they you know they, they earned it. Yes, they definitely earned it, and we earned your listen. So um, happy that you're listening to us on Rotoviz. If you want to get involved with us with at Rotoviz, you can get a Patreon subscription, Patreon.com/slash Rotoviz Radio, Rotoviz Radio. Patronships uh, help support the pod, get access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack when you can ask questions and gain league winning advice. Got to get the league winning advice. We're two weeks left. Got to get the league winning advice. Uh, we're in the playoffs. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part to help community grow and also support the industry leading programming. And you can get 10% off of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now through the NFL podcast homepage. That's rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. We get it. It's the playoffs. But these last few weeks, this is, I mean, this is where you make your money. So you're definitely going to need to get in. 
Plus, there's some off-season content, too. Um, you know, we, we don't stop on this show. We're throwing content out there nonstop. So make sure you get in while you can. And, again, that's rotaviz.com forward slash podcast to get some money off of that lovely NFL pass. All right, let's get started with our topics for the week. Uh, the first one, I think I, I do have one player listed here, but I think there's two talking points with this one player, and it's A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown had five catches, 153 receiving yards, and two touchdowns this past week with the breakout of Ryan Tannehill continuing. But he's not the player I want to talk about. Let's talk about this, the sadness that is Corey Davis. Uh, before we get into A.J. Brown, are you getting towards all the way out on Corey Davis? Is this prime buying season on Corey Davis because people are – Basically, not dropping him, but basically getting him absolute bottom of their benches. Yeah, I mean, the upside is there. I think we can still technically count the draft capital if you're into that type of thing. It'd be be odd to see Tennessee fully just bail on him after what they spent as far as draft capital goes. But this feels to me uh, a lot like it's almost like the Jordan Matthews type thing, except Jordan Matthews produced for a couple of seasons and Corey Davis really hasn't. He's had some splash plays and some big games, but uh, I really thought this was the season he was going to put it all together. It looked early on like he was going to do that. And, you know, the the quarterback situation hasn't really been favorable, even though Tannehill has looked I mean, more than serviceable, which honestly surprised me. It was unfortunate that he wasn't able to stick with Mariota, but um, it's Tannehill's been good for the offense. Everybody else seems to be producing nicely, except for Corey Davis. He, like I said, he's had a couple of games in there, and all all signs pointed upwards. You know, even though they did bring in AJ Brown, I thought that was going to be an absolutely fantastic one-two punch because they're not. I mean, they're they're two complementary players of one another. And both should have been able to thrive given, you know, the target share and, and all of that. But Davis just just doesn't seem like it's all happening for him. So I think I think if his name still brings any sort of value, I'm, I'm probably just selling for for basically what I can get. I'm not a big fan of bailing low, but I just it, I feel like we've kind of been just hanging on for a while now. Yeah, I mean, my, my target range would be like a mid to late second or like a late second and an early fourth. You know, I mean, that might be, you know, uh, a bit facetious to think that I could possibly get that. But I, I think that giving an early second is also a bad move. I don't I wouldn't give up that high of a pick for Davis right now, especially with, you know, what this draft class is looking like. All these juniors committing uh, to the draft early. But going back to A.J. Brown, obviously Tannehill has played well. But A.J. Brown has shown that whoever's at quarterback next year, which I'm thinking it's going to be Tannehill at this point, uh, I think that A.J. Brown is an NFL wide receiver one. He is a fantasy wide receiver two probably in 2020. And, he, and he's a young player as well. I believe he's still 21 or 22 years old. So bright future ahead for him. I would probably have him in like the wide receiver like 18 to 20 range. Uh, lots of promising young wide receivers, and he's one of them. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. Would you have him – uh, above his college teammate, DK Metcalf, or would you think they're in the same ballpark? I think all three, Harry, Metcalf, Brown, like ask me on Tuesday, I'll say one, ask me on Thursday, I'll say the other. But as of now, I'm going to say that the order is 
Brown Harry Metcalf. Okay, and I probably go Metcalf Brown Harry, which I mean, again, it's it's splitting hairs. I think at this point, I think I think Metcalf has the the highest ceiling. I think Brown has the highest floor. And for me, Harry is still kind of an unknown, even though he was, I think, generally thought of as the wide receiver one and went into what should have been a relatively promising situation. But now it looks like Tom is, in fact, dying and can age and isn't a robot. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think if, if people are doubting or not moving A.J. Brown up at this point, I feel like you could still sneak in a deal or two here or there. You know, maybe maybe it was one of those draft picks and rookie drafts where somebody's hand was forced because it was the only player left on the board or, you know, whatever it happens to be. You can you can go back and look at your historical data within your leagues and see kind of where he was picked or if he was moved once or any of those types of things, because you might still be able to get him for a decent price, even though I, I kind of would doubt it, especially considering the last month he's had or so last three weeks, I suppose where he's got two games over, what, 130, 125 yards and, and a couple of scores. So, yeah, I, I think I think this rookie class is proving to be, I would say, significantly better than than what was originally thought, especially the wide receivers. Yeah, not, not to focus too much on this, but I remember in Debbie Leagues in 2017 falling in love with the class of 2019 and investing heavily in A.J. Brown and Nikhil Harry and a few other guys. Uh, Demetrius Robertson, who's still at Georgia, who's terrible. Um, <laughs> but uh, but anyways, I, I've been excited about the 2019 class ever since 2017, so I didn't really ever waver on it being a great class. A lot of people did, and I think that they're being proven wrong with how much talent was found on day two of the NFL draft with A.J. Brown and with Deontay Johnson, who we're about to talk about, and obviously a bunch of other guys in that, in that day two range, as well as you know Harry and Brown, who went in round one, uh, Marquise Brown. All right, let's move on to Deontay Johnson. Uh, six catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown uh, this past week. Uh, and I do think that he's kind of in this part of this season has been Juju Smith-Schuster really hasn't been healthy at all, along with the fact that the quarterbacks really haven't been playing well. But with Deontay Johnson, do you think that he is now the wide receiver two in Pittsburgh behind Juju? Do you think that it's a 2A, 2B situation? What are your thoughts on Johnson right now? I really like Deontay Johnson. He was kind of a weird prospect coming out of Toledo. Then nothing really jumped off the board. He wasn't any crazy athlete, but he's just a good football player. And and sometimes we kind of look past those guys. And honestly, watching him, he reminds me of of like an AJ Brown light, which is kind of a lofty comparison to make. But I feel like that's why they brought him in. I, I really feel like Deontay Johnson, James Washington. Uh, can service be serviceable as that 2A, 2B deal with, with Juju. And, and honestly, these two kind of breaking through and, and coming along nicely are making me a little more optimistic about Juju, of all things. So while I do like Deontay and probably prefer him at his price in comparison to Juju, I feel like these guys are all going to to kind of help one another. Uh, and this offense has obviously been known to to be able to prop up at least two wide receivers and a running back with all sorts of targets. So if if this running back or this backfield continues to be a carousel and these three can stay healthy, I feel like we might be able to keep all three of these guys relevant. But 
yeah, Deontay is is a you know is one of those precision players that just knows what he's doing while he's out there. It seems, and he he's I mean he's making Devlin Hodges look serviceable, which that's impressive. Yeah, and I do think that Pittsburgh is going to go back to the quarterback well in the in the 2020 NFL draft. I, I think that they've you know clearly shown that Mason Rudolph is not an NFL quarterback. Duck Hodges, good story, but not in starting NFL quarterback. Uh, so then they'll end up going and probably in the second or third round, picking up a guy that they ch- think it has a possibility of being the future when Big Ben decides to hang it up, whether it's in 2021 or, or after. So I'll give my take on Johnson. I, I do think that, you know, whenever you see, you know, big special teams plays from players that aren't getting a lot of work, I think it's always a positive indicator like, hey, they're, they're you know, this guy isn't quite ready to play on offense, so let's get him on special teams. And obviously, Johnson, his special teams success kind of coincided with his offensive success. So basically what I'm saying is that if Johnson hadn't scored on offense this week, he would have been a great buy-low opportunity. Like, oh, he, you know, he just scored the punt return, and, you know, that doesn't show up in your traditional fantasy stats. But he did score the offensive touchdown as well, so uh, it makes me like him even more. And so I, I think that I would have him a hair over Washington right now. I, I think that he has a little bit more upside. And so, but, but I, I agree with you. It is 2A, 2B there. And it is a fruitful uh, situation where, you know, you can have three fantasy relevant wide receivers. Definitely. Do you think, are you giving up a, a second for Deontay Johnson right now? And I, it has to be late. Okay. I'm, I'm probably in that mid range to be completely honest. And I'd probably be in the late range for James Washington, even though I probably, I, I was more on board with James Washington as a prospect coming out. Um, but I think everybody was, so that's not really like a take or anything. But I feel like Deontay Johnson's shown enough, and you brought up the punt return touchdown, which would have provided a huge buy low because people would have thought, wow, he's you know he doesn't score, blah blah blah. This offense is bad. I, I feel like both of those guys are nice kind of depth add-on options with the ceiling to produce fantasy relevant points. Let's move to the AFC West and the Denver Broncos, where they have got a quarterback. Uh, Drew Locke made his first start last week, and he has five touchdowns in his first two weeks. Had a blowout of the Houston Texans, who went from beating the Patriots to not showing up against the Denver Broncos. Drew Locke, 309 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception this past week. Does this cement that Drew Locke is the quarterback of the future in Denver? I think it cements that he's at least the quarterback of 2020. And unless he, I mean, if he implodes, we all know that John Elway likes to go to that well and throw those darts and, and come out with someone really tall. So Andy Dalton, <laughs> there is always that possibility. There's going to be some veterans out and about this off season. I think that that could find a home behind someone like a drew lock. But, I mean, these are two games against formidable opponents, honestly. Uh, I didn't see him doing this. I didn't see him doing it against even bad teams because I didn't really think Drew Locke was going to be, you know, even a a middle-of-the-road NFL quarterback. And as of now, I mean, he, he kind of looks the part. He's doing everything at least somewhat right. He hasn't made too many bad decisions. I've, I've only seen a, a maybe a, a interception or two, I guess. And again, the, the Chargers aren't any slouch in the secondary, and Houston's been good enough in the secondary that, he, I mean, he's being pretty darn efficient with his, with his numbers. He's only attempted 55 passes in two games. And, you know, I mean, those are like one game for Drew Brees and Matt Stafford. So 
I, I do think that Locke is at least the starter for uh, all of 2020. I think they'll give him that just because, I mean, they used enough draft capital on him to, to kind of lean, but um, that's not to say that John Elway won't go out and still bring somebody in to at least compete. So uh, I think if, if there are still doubters on Drew Locke or somebody looking to quote-unquote sell high, I still feel like his sell high price right now isn't all that much because people are still kind of behind the eight ball on him. I think that the absolute lowest a Drew Locke superplex owner would consider selling him right now would probably be an early second. So if you're looking to, you know, sell high on him, I, I think that that's around your price range, late, late first, early second. If if I if you can get a first for Locke right now, oftentimes you say, oh, pretty much any young quarterback is worth a first. I don't think Locke is worth a first, considering I think that there's four or five quarterbacks I'd rather have in this draft class. Uh, so. I'd prefer the first to lock, but I, I do think – I mean, I, I'd give up an early second for him in Superflex. Yeah, and, and honestly, you'd probably have to pay a late first to get him, uh, again, unless it's from those owners that are unsure of him or maybe just looking to capitalize in their rebuild and aren't really worried about having a, a mid-level quarterback right now because I don't think he's ever going to be a QB1. Uh, I think his ceiling is probably in that mid- to low-end QB2 area, which – isn't a bad thing. It's great to have in Superflex, in and especially for the price tag, it's it's hard to to pass up. You know, somewhat guaranteed numbers. Not that they're ever going to be amazing, but it is a nice floor. All right, let's move on to our next topic, which is just going to be Dan and I saying we were wrong a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I didn't say. Hey, hold on. I, now. I, no, no. Let me introduce why I'm saying we're wrong. So Darius Slayton. Uh, Darius Slayton, five catches, 154, two touchdowns with Eli Manning at the helm on Monday night football against the Eagles, which, by the way, was the least entertaining first half of football <laughs> that has ever occurred, ever. I, uh, granted, so like it was uh, exciting ending overtime, yada, yada. I, how anyone watched after the first half is amazing. But Darius Slayton, uh, both of us advocated for selling Darius Slayton for a second if you could get it. Uh, and I think that that might not have been the best advice. Obviously, if you got an early second, then you're not getting much better than that. But I, I think that Slayton is worth more than a late second right now. Uh, I think that with what he's done, you know, he's he's the wide receiver of the future uh, with the Giants. Uh, Sterling Shepard, his, his future is, uh, you know, up in the air. And Golden Tate is far from any sort of guarantee long term. So I think that with what Slayton has done with Daniel Jones, what Slayton has done, period, has shown that he's a legitimate target in that offense. I think that Slayton is going to end up going like the seventh, eighth round of startups by the offseason. I think that's pretty darn fair. You know who he kind of reminds me of just a little bit? Maybe it's the fifth round draft capital. Maybe it's the being six foot and under 200 pounds. If he played for Minnesota, they would have, I mean, they would have clones of one another. This feels like Stefan Diggs in, in kind of the way he's breaking out. And, and I mean, even the comparisons to the player, I think Darius Slayton might even be a faster version of Stefan Diggs. Maybe not the, the route technician that Stefan Diggs is, but Slayton can play man. And, and, you know, we talk all this about draft capital, but you can find these types of players deeper in drafts, obviously, because we see so many of them throughout the league. And yeah, maybe the, the sell, the sell move, 
probably wasn't the right thing. But honestly, at the time, you probably weren't getting a second. So you, everyone probably still has their their Slayton shares unless you just completely got out. But a lot of things kind of pointed in the right direction for Slayton coming out. I mean, he, he's got the college production to show for it. He's a, he's a plus athlete. He's a speedster. And he went to a place that doesn't really have any wide receiver depth, like Nathan mentioned. So uh, I, I'm probably holding all of my shares unless I get like a really strong, like wide receiver, fringe wide receiver two slash three type offer for him, because I feel like that's where he could ascend to given target share and, and everything. I feel like they'll keep Sterling Shepard around assuming health. And that's a, another good combination of players, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. I think Slayton can be an NFL one. He's consistently been able to, I mean, he's roasted top corners on these teams. He has made them look foolish from, from whether it was this week or I always go back to the Minnesota game when they played, uh, when he, when he was matched up against Xavier Rhodes and obviously Xavier Rhodes hasn't been the, you know, the, the lockdown Island guy that we're used to seeing, but He's still like a top 10 corner, and he made him look dumb that game. It was it was absolutely incredible, and Slate did the exact same thing this week. He consistently burned his corners, and, I mean, the two Ronald, big Ronald Darby retired after the game, so. Yeah, he should have. <laughs> and, I mean, Darby's not, not, not a great corner. The Eagles don't have any great corners, but everyone knows that name, Ronald Darby, and you would expect him to at least be able to hang with a rookie. And, again, Slayton just he blew him away. Now, I thought as I was coming up with this question, I thought I knew the answer. But after your, you know, praising of Slayton, I might not know the answer. Would you rather have A.J. Brown or Deontay Johnson and Darius Slayton? Hmm, that's a good question. I would probably still want A.J. Brown just because I think I could get more for him. However, that's two players with, I mean, a lot of upside for more of what I see as kind of a floor player. Not that AJ Brown is like a, you know, a whatever <laughs> player. I just feel like there's, there's a lot that could happen with Deontay Johnson and Darius Slayton. I, I feel like these two are on the upswing of what could be a really solid start to their careers. Yeah. I'll, I'll take AJ Brown in that deal, but you know, Slayton could very easily burn you for making that trade. If you're getting rid of him. Uh, now, someone who won't bird you is our sponsor, so let's hear from them. All right, Dynasty Tradecast friends, you know here at the show we always cover the hard-hitting, interesting topics, the, the things that aren't easy to talk about, and erectile dysfunction is one of those things. It's, it's not easy to talk about, but we're going to try to today. I know some of you are out there wondering about it, asking questions about it, and it's not easy to deal with. Sometimes we're, you know, self-deprecating and just thinking we don't have it anymore. Or sometimes we want to make excuses, whether we had a long day at work or we're faking being tired or just not feeling it. Well, thankfully, with our friends over at Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship to you with free two-day shipping. 
The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, so you don't have to get all embarrassed. It's, it's easy, all right? Getting started is just as simple as going to getroman.com slash bluewire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com forward slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com forward slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com forward slash BlueWire. And before we get back into the show, I want to talk to you guys about our friends over at MyBookie. Between football season, NBA, and, and college basketball going on, it's time to get off the sideline and get on in the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlay are perfect because they let you get, bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you want to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off of everything else and back on the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code ROTOVIZ to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code ROTOVIZ, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z. Take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Get on the games. Nothing like sweating off a, a nice bet as well as your fantasy playoffs. Sweats all over the place. And let's get back into the show. Justin Watson, uh, a metrics favorite, a player profiler favorite. Uh, Justin Watson, five catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, prior to today, he basically hadn't played in his first two seasons of the NFL. But Mike Evans got hurt. And Brashad Perriman is still terrible, which opens the door for Justin Watson to get some playing time. And it looks like Mike Evans is likely out the rest of the season, which, I mean, traditionally, if what you see from Justin Watson and you know, okay, Mike Evans is coming back, it's not even worth talking about. But I do think this three-week audition to possibly be the wide receiver three in the offense for Justin Watson is a legitimate one. Uh, what are your thoughts on Watson here? Do you think he could win that wide receiver three job? Well, I think it's basically his to lose at this point. He hasn't been out there a ton, but I, I'm, all, I'm not entirely sure he's been healthy either. So this is uh, this is one where I mean, we we kind of if you're in the in, you know in Dynasty Twitter and you're kind of hanging around that circle at all, you saw this name all over the place. It was like Nathan mentioned, kind of one of the one of the metric guys. He's basically what you know, what everyone had hoped Jeff Janis was going to become. Um, and now we're actually getting to see him on the field a little bit. And he looked, I mean, he looked fine. I, I wouldn't say he's going to be like a superstar or anything like that, but he could be a serviceable NFL wide receiver three. He is going to have this couple week audition, even though I think it's, it's basically his to lose. I just don't see how he, he finds his way into a meaningful target share, meaningful snaps with a healthy lineup. It still looks like they've they're planning on continuing to use Cameron Brait. They're who God, God knows how they're going to continue to use OJ Howard, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans seem like the 
I mean, super duo as far as wide receivers go. And, you know, I don't see Jameis Winston or, you know, the Bruce Arians offense supporting three wide receivers, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I mean, is it a long play? Do you, do you hope that they trade him if he shows out in these, you know, these three weeks? Do we... Do we think that all of a sudden Tampa decides to maybe move Mike Evans because they have Justin? Like, I guess those things are within the realm of possibilities. I just don't see how you how you split that duo of of Evans and Godwin to make someone like Justin Watson a thing. So, I feel like if if it gets to the end of the season and your trade, if you have a trade deadline now and after the season it reopens and you can make trades, and Watson finishes with a strong finish of the season. I think you just sell them. I mean, you sell them aggressively if possible. If you have buyers, just I would get rid of them because I don't, I just don't feel like he's he's a great football player, honestly. Yeah, I, I think that if he shows out, it's not going to make him immune from possibly the Bucks drafting another wide receiver, which obviously would be a waste because it's the last of their needs. But also, you know, free agency. There's so many ways for the third wide receiver spot to be filled. And they have O.J. Howard and they have Ronald Jones and they have so much talent on that offense that, you know, it really has to have injuries have to happen in order for Justin Watson to be fantasy relevant. The only real play I see here is that I think he's a nice end of bench guy in best ball because, you know, if Jameis Winston continues, this is going to continue to be a pass heavy team. Uh, and, you know, three wide receivers could be productive there. And we, I mean, we've seen Perriman get a decent amount of targets lately, even though he shouldn't have been. It should have been Watson all along. But, 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 yeah, basically my, my take, it, it agrees with you that if there's any sort of hype, you know, towards the end of the season, then, then he's a sell, get any second, or maybe Watson in a third for a second, something like that. But if not, he's, he's a fine guy to have on the end of your bench. Let's move on to Mr. Ian Thomas, tight end of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, this is a guy that I pretty much had left for dead. I, I found a couple rosters that I still had him on. I'm like, oh, I thought I had lost faith. I thought I had dropped him. Uh, and thankfully, I had not dropped him, particularly because those were tight end, le- tight end premium leagues. But yeah, obviously the, the 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 talk pretty much for the last like two years has been oh this is the heir apparent to Greg Olson, and you know that was he showed in his, in, in his rookie season he had some production, but up until this week or maybe I think it was the week before he hadn't really played at all for Carolina and Greg Olson I think has missed the last couple of weeks, and so that has put. Uh, Ian Thomas and the offense, and of course, they're more focused on the future now that they're out of the playoff race. Uh, so, I mean, I think Ian Thomas is a good tight end. I think that, you know, he falls under the very wide umbrella of potential low-end tight end ones, uh, and I, I think that, you know, he's he's worth, you know, a third-round pick and tight end premium, and I think that that pretty much describes almost every tight end. Yeah, and you, you mentioned his, his production from last year, which uh, I thought was at least a little bit telling of what was going to come in, in 2019. And the, I would, there was like the middle six or eight weeks of last year. I don't know. I can't recall if he was hurt or, or what the deal was, but the basically the first dozen weeks this season felt like the middle of the season last year. I don't know if he was hurt, if he just wasn't being used, but now all of a sudden this week we see, we see him actually playing we see him out there whether he was healthy or not in the previous weeks he wasn't even on the field very much and when he was it was I mean mostly as a blocker or I mean he he definitely wasn't being being targeted and and any of that I mean he played 
He played something like 90% of the snaps this week. So that goes back to last year and kind of what we were seeing consistently from him on the shoulders of the season. It started early in the season. He, he was he was playing all the time. And then late in the season, again, I thought that was just kind of a foreshadowing of, of 2019. And then all of a sudden, nothing. And, and Greg Olson hasn't been entirely healthy all season. Uh, you'd figure that team would, would use a little bit more two tight end sets, especially considering that, I mean, they give Christian McCaffrey the ball 1,700 times. And um, I, I think the breakouts of of Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore probably are doing more negative uh, in, in to him than, than anything else. But I, I feel like this week was kind of a, a promising reassurance of what we saw in 2018. We know all, we all know Greg Olson. I mean, has one foot in the, in the commentator booth. So it wouldn't surprise me if Ian Thomas takes over that job. I just don't know if the, consistency and the volume is going to be there the way it always has been for Greg Olson. And obviously Greg Olson is, is one of, I mean, he's probably a borderline hall of famer, if not a hall of famer, a very good tight end. And I wouldn't put Ian Thomas on that level, but Ian Thomas is a good enough tight end where if they do use him consistently, he's most definitely, uh, you know, a back 25% white or white, white out tight end one uh, I would say in that you know eight to eight to twelve range is probably where he would slot in because after the top four or five I guess it starts to get sloppy anyways and there's not a ton of quality coming in uh in this rookie draft so I, I feel like you have your stacked top and then you could make a case to put Ian Thomas up there if we see consistency yeah, I mean, for, for Thomas, it's all about getting the targets, getting the playing time, and that's what he's going to get as long as Olsen's off the field. And if he retires, then, you know, great for Thomas. And he, I, I will say that that once Greg Olsen retires, that is when the sell point for Ian Thomas is because that's when you'll be able to sell Ian Thomas for a second-round pick, which, you know, most tight ends aren't worth a second-round pick. So I would take a second for, for Ian Thomas uh, as soon as Greg Olsen retires and his value takes that boost. Any disagreement there? No, I think that's right. I, we just need to see consistency. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up the show with some bad news, some sad news, which still is kind of up in the air what exactly happened. But I believe it's Darius Geis has an MCL injury, uh, definitely out for the rest of this season. This guy has not been able to stay healthy the first two seasons of his career. He had his first real breakout um, the week before uh, this this past week. Uh, and now he's back on, on the shelf. Uh, what are you doing with him in dynasty right now? Well, I had a take that was going to basically say we should probably be done. However, I feel like this one might be the straw that breaks the camel's back and makes everyone finally done with him. So we could probably get into guys for some pretty cheap prices if people think like it's just never ending i mean it's he's injury prone because we all love to throw that phrase around and if anyone were to be considered injury prone it's probably darius geis but a lot of this stuff a lot of this stuff is i mean it's not the same thing over and over and over and over and over again everything seems just slightly different you know and and while, I mean, they might be somewhat related because it seems like it's consistently within the knee, but 
man, I I want to say just to be dumb because of the headache, but when he's on the field, he's dynamic, and he's proven that. He, he showed us that at LSU. He's showing us that, you know, in the very, very limited time he's been on, on the field. But, I mean, when, when he's there, he's a difference maker. It's hard to say get rid of him. It really is. Yeah, and I don't think you're really getting a first at this point for him. So uh, I, I would give an early second for him right now. Uh, I don't think I'd give a first just because I think that you can, you know, get a similarly talented back at the 112 this this year uh, and not have the injury history that goes with it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that I Geis is probably a guy we're not going to see very many trades involving this this offseason because the guys that had him invested too much to, to sell at a second round price tag. Yeah, especially coming into this season, I feel like his price kind of got back to where it, it had been, and people really started to be, become more optimistic about him and think 2019 is the season. This is it. This is the year. Plays week one, shelved till week 11. Plays week, you know, 11 through 14, and shelved. It's just, I mean, I get it. It's frustrating, but. It's hard to deny the talent. And we've seen this, you know, maybe not this exact type of player, but guys like Darius Geis who have a little bit of draft capital, who go to a, relatively speaking, promising destination, if not only for the depth chart, um, and then just they can't stay healthy. There's there's probably countless uh, examples of guys that, that really look like they can be an NFL starter, an NFL star, and they just can't stay healthy. We're looking at it again with, like, Sammy Watkins. Because, man, does, did he – I mean, he, when he was in Buffalo for a little bit there, he was dynamic, and we still see flashes of it. But he either can't stay healthy or he can't put it together, and, and it might be that headache. We might get one pr- really productive season – and then a career of headache from Darius Geis. That 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 could be what we're in for. Yep, which not, would not be ideal. But what is ideal is listening to the Nice Straight Cast on Road of His Radio every week. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, uh, Roman and my bookie, and our good friends over at Blue Wire. Dan, it's been a fun one. We have the semifinals in Week 15. Any hot takes for the sec- second week of the playoffs? Uh, no hot takes. I should probably apologize to the 11 of you that look forward to my thread, um, uh, my, my dynasty recap thread. I haven't been able to get it out the last couple of weeks this week. I was hoping to get to it, but it's been daddy daycare up in this business and I just been draped with children. So it becomes pretty difficult to sit down and, and spend a couple hours typing something up that I actually genuinely enjoy doing. Uh, it's just been, it's been difficult. So I appreciate you guys having your patience. I appreciate you listening here. I don't know if, if the thread's going to be back next week, if it's, if it's, I, I'll have one for season end for sure, but family takes precedent. And I certainly hope everyone understands that. I'm sure everyone is unfollowing you as they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!